Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 34th episode of 2023. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiber for Breakfast. You know, today is the final day of Fiber Connect 2023 in Orlando. You know, we have had record attendance of 4,000 attendees with 275 speakers, 94 sessions, and 275 exhibits. But to close the conference strongly today, today is the State Broadband Summit. The speakers include NTIA and key members of Congress, the White House, Department of Treasury, and of course, we're gonna be hearing directly from a number of State Broadband Office directors. You know, just what an epic event. Speaking of epic events, our next and final regional Fiber Connect workshop will be in Minneapolis on October 24th. You're not gonna wanna miss that, so please register today. That brings us to today's Fire for Breakfast session with Eric Badel, the from the Permitting Council to discuss uh, Federal Permitting Council moving broadband permitting at gigabit speeds. You know, last week on Fire for Breakfast, we had the pleasure from hearing from Dritten uh, Nisho, the global CVO of HarrisX, who discussed their latest research on bringing a customer perspective to the home internet. So the key takeaways from this session was that fiber dominates on customer experience, no surprise, and customer satisfaction rises with speed. Again, no surprise, but speed is not enough. ISPs must bundle service and or provide an immersive in-home experience to help differentiate and ensure that their service is sticky. So some good tips from our friends. So today uh, on Fiber for Breakfast, our guest is Eric Vital, the executive director of the Ferment Federal Permitting Improvement Steering Council, or called Permitting Council, to discuss Federal Permitting Council moving broadband permitting at gigabit speeds. I guess I'm, there's a lot to say here. So Eric is a nationally recognized expert in the environmental and infrastructure fields. He brings more than 20 years of experience at the Permitting Council, and Eric's extensive public and private sector experience honed his command of the National Environmental Policy Act and his capacity for solving complex environmental permitting problems on the local, state, and national level. His federal experience includes serving as a senior environmental policy advisor for the Department of Transportation and as a policy advisor at the Office of Management and Budget, where he's developed an expertise in federal permitting and a review for major infrastructure projects. Eric went on to work for WSP USA as a senior director and vice president and HCR Inc. as an Associate Vice President and National Lead for Infrastructure Policy Environmental Strategy. So Eric knows what he's doing. And uh, with that, I will turn it over to Eric. And for audience, please type in your questions to go and we'll work those into the Q&A. So let's get things going. Great, thanks Gary. Uh, and, and I hope I know what I'm doing. Uh, that was a, a nice intro, I appreciate that. So. Again, Eric Badel, uh, Executive Director of the Permitting Council. We tend to say Permitting Council instead of the entire uh, title of the agency because it is such a mouthful. But 
you know, we are a, we're a council of agencies that are tasked with really helping support uh, the efficient environmental review and permitting of, of major infrastructure projects. And I'll tell you, you know, joining you here on this podcast was, um, it's an easy decision because the expansion of broadband infrastructure is really a top priority for the permitting council and particularly for the Biden and Harris administration. President Biden's Internet for All initiative is a whole of nation approach that's working to ensure that all Americans have access to life-changing benefits of high-speed internet. And we've all recognized that the recent years of lockdowns and remote work um, and remote learning have highlighted the critical importance of broadband access for every American. High-speed internet is no longer a nice to have, but it's really an essential service that we all have to have access to in order to do our jobs and participate effectively in modern life. With the passage of the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and the Inflation Reduction Act, my office at the uh, Office of the Executive Director at the Permitting Council now has the tools and resources that we need to really effectively support delivery of broadband across the country. But none of that work that we are able going to do is possible without buy-in and full participation from stakeholders in the process, including industry leaders like the membership of the Fiber Broadband Association. So I am excited to be here today to discuss the role of the Permitting Council and how we can support broadband deployment. And we've had a busy past couple months uh, when it comes to broadband deployment. Earlier this year, we posted the first two broadband projects ever to receive FAST 41 coverage, Santa Fe Indian School Project and the Alaska Fiber Optic Project, both funded by NTIA's uh, Tribal Broadband Connecting Program. If permitted, these two projects will transform the lives of underserved communities in our country, bringing life-changing benefits of high-speed internet to those who need it to complete basic tasks in today's digitally connected world. But before we go into too much of that, I do need to give you kind of a background on what the Permitting Council is and what we do. Um, so in 2015, Congress passed the Fixing America's Surface Transportation Act. And in Title 41 of that act, uh, we created, uh, Congress created the Permitting Council. And the Permitting Council was tasked with providing more transparency, more predictability, and more accountability to the uh, infrastructure permitting process and to discuss challenges amongst the member agencies, elevate those best practices, and ensure that we are uh, deploying those best practices programmatically across government so that we are rising the level of uh, performance across all of government as we do infrastructure permitting. We manage a portfolio of nearly 100 billion uh, large-scale infrastructure projects, most of which are in the uh, renewable energy, coastal restoration, and electricity transmission sectors. But we do have those two broadband projects, and we're hoping to have more. So as I mentioned, the Permitting Council really is focused on providing greater predictability uh, in the permitting process, advancing more efficient approaches to the overall permitting process, providing transparency and accountability, and really being a uh, source of collaboration and a convener of our federal uh, member agencies to ensure that we are working collaboratively together to advance the overall goals of, uh, of the infrastructure permitting. So who makes up the Permitting Council? We have uh, 13 member agencies. So there are uh, all of the major infrastructure agencies or, or agencies that are involved in infrastructure delivery, as well as representatives from the Office of Management and Budget uh, as part of the White House and the Council on Environmental Quality. And then the executive director, me, uh, who sits as chair of the Permitting Council. Once we have a coverage of a FAST 41 project, the benefits that we uh, relay to those projects are, are multiple. Um, you know, we provide that increased predictability. They, we are requiring agencies to create a permitting timetable so that there is uh, an expectation and an understanding of when certain milestones will be hit uh, or when they are uh, coming. 
we enhance coordination. We require, um, you know, regular convening meetings amongst permitting agencies and project sponsors to ensure that we are on the same page and that we are advancing the projects on schedule. We provide additional resources to agencies. Most recently in the Inflation Reduction Act, the Permitting Council received $350 million uh, in our Environmental Review Improvement Fund. And of that, we're providing nearly 25 million to fund uh, our federal member agencies to support up to 60 staff that are gonna be focused on broadband permitting. So we are providing resources to our member agencies to ensure that they are able to focus on the broadband permits that are coming their way and that they can uh, manage the influx of applications that we anticipate with this unprecedented investment. We've touched on the increased transparency. We provide really focused attention on uh, covered projects. We don't have the entire universe uh, on the dashboard. We only have you know, a little under 30 projects right now. So we are able to really provide targeted support on those projects that need it uh, and ensure that we are moving at pace. And I mentioned you know, the, the predictability and the accountability and, and uh, the big tool that we have in that uh, toolbox is the use of our federal permitting dashboard. So at permitting.gov, you can go to look at uh, different projects that are on the dashboard. You can identify project summaries. You know, what is the project, the current state of the project, what environmental reviews and approvals are necessary, contact information for project sponsor, as well as the lead agency for the project, as well as a listing of all the agencies that are involved. But the power horse uh, of, the, of the dashboard is really our schedules. Uh, we provide, you know, a full, Gantt-like chart. Uh, it doesn't have full dependencies that are built into it, but it provides the overall timeline for the project and all of the steps that are necessary to get through the environmental review and approval process. Each one of the uh, approvals listed, you can click on it. It'll open up a expansive discussion of you know, what the requirements are, a discussion of what that permit is, so that the public who is interested in understanding more about how these projects are advancing, what the requirements are that they must meet, can learn more about how to be involved, but also understand what the potential effects are and what approvals are necessary for these projects to move forward. We have a number of agencies that are involved because we have a number of uh, different sectors. We have 18 covered uh, FAST 41 sectors, including broadband, um, you know, and they cover you know, a wide range of different types of projects. And these are all authorized in statute um, or added by the majority vote of the permitting council as being the types of projects that are going to benefit most from our targeted and hands-on support. In order to become a FAST 41 project, though, you have to meet certain criteria. We have four different categories. Uh, the objective criteria is the one that covers most of the projects that are listed on the dashboard currently. Those projects must be subject to NEPA, a minimum investment of $200 million, and not be eligible for an abbreviated environmental review or authorization. So like under NEPA, not be eligible for a categorical exclusion um, or a you know, programmatic permit. Uh, these are the types of projects that are utility scale solar fields, large transmission projects, offshore wind, things like that. Most broadband projects are not going to meet the objective criteria, not only because of the 200 million investment threshold, but also because most broadband projects are going to be deployed under an, either an environmental assessment or a categorical exclusion. But there are two other categories that are, uh, I think, very ripe for coverage of, of broadband projects. First being the tribal projects. Um, the tribal category, as long as it's subject to NEPA and it is sponsored by a tribe or and located at least partially on tribal lands, um, 
we can bring FAST41 coverage to projects. So broadband projects that are supporting tribal nations and that have tribal governments involved in their deployment are eligible for FAST41 coverage. And that's how we brought in Santa Fe Indian School and Alaska Fiber Optic. But there is also the discretionary um, criteria, which allows us to identify other projects that are complex enough uh, that would warrant the council's active involvement. Between tribal and discretionary, we believe that we can reach out to cover uh, additional projects. Uh, even though they may not be the most complex, we recognize the importance of broadband uh, in overall uh, advancement of the administration's priorities. So really, you know, one of the most powerful things about FAST 41 coverage is that project sponsors have a seat at the decision-making table. Uh, they are consulted when we are creating the permitting timetable, the schedules that I showed on a slide earlier. They are consulted on all permitting timetable modifications. So if we have to move dates out, they are consulted to ensure that they understand why those dates are moving and also be able to uh, provide their objections um, to those date slippage. And then we'll have an opportunity to have some issue resolution, some uh, dispute elevation and uh, work towards an amicable outcome that both the sponsor and the agencies are comfortable with. So this last slide here is really about how we um, provide coverage to covered projects. Um, there is an application process. We don't need to go through all of this, but essentially project sponsors would reach out um, to the permitting aid council at www.permitting.gov. There's links there to contact us. You can request um, you know, initial consultation to determine whether or not FAST 41 would apply to your project. Um, and also, you know, ask whatever other questions you might have about the FAST 41 process. I will say, you know, before we get to the questions, although FAST 41 may not apply to a lot of individual broadband projects, we are using our role as the Center for Permitting Excellence as a critical tool in advancing best practices across government and leveraging our ability to convene agencies to look at programmatic solutions to the types of issues that broadband projects are uh, encountering. You know, most of this that's occurring on roadway right-of-way is going to be fairly straightforward, and we don't have a lot of visibility into some of the state or local issues, but what we do have is the opportunity to work with our federal land management agency partners who will cover a vast majority of the Western United States where a lot of this broadband is going to need to be deployed across BLM, Forest Service, Bureau of Reclamation, and other lands. And so, where there are uh, federal nexus and there's NEPA and complexity with land holding agencies, there is an opportunity for the Permitting Council to become engaged or at least provide some targeted technical assistance. And so we welcome outreach engagement from, um, from the listeners of this podcast to make sure that we are at least aware. And if we can provide targeted assistance, we wanna make that available to folks. And with that, Gary, uh, I'll turn it over to you to, for a little discussion. All right. Well, thanks, Eric. Really interesting stuff, and you know, critically important is is you know anything that's going to stall our acceleration of fiber deployment is going to run up cost, and we don't we only have so much money to spend. So let's start off with um, Fast Forty One. That's got to stand for something. What, where did you come up with that acronym? What's the Forty One part? So the Forty One. It was Title Forty One of the Fixing America's Surface Transportation Act. It was a it was basically a tag on uh, to a surface transportation authorization in 2015. Uh, it was the most appropriate vehicle for Congress to move that piece of legislation forward. All right, so, you know, obviously I, I hear nothing but horror stories on permitting, you know, people that are putting in 
you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles of fiber and they're going along a major highway and uh, a mile or so goes through federal land and they get the whole project done except for that two miles because they can't get a federal permit or it's on tribal land. Um, how, how do we be able to tie together these jurisdictions so it's, it's more cohesive? And I, I assume that's kind of what you guys work and all these different agencies are doing, right? That is, that's exactly right. And, you know, there is not, uh, I won't tell you that there's a silver bullet necessarily because each, um, each agency is a little bit different. And even as they are uh, delegated to regional jurisdictions with regional directors, there, there's going to be different personalities. But programmatically, what we can do is look at um, the needs and the try to create some consistency across the agencies so that the requirements are similar when we're applying for rights of way uh, as we go through these roadway, uh, these national land, uh, parks, forest service lands, BLM lands, make sure that the information that we are requesting is consistent, the review, the expectations are consistent, and that's what we're working on. Um, you know, we're trying to make sure that we have, if not a one-stop shop, at least a predictable shop um, where you can go to get your permits. And I think, you know, the support that we're providing to the agencies now um, through the 25 million to provide staffing, but also additional tools and resources will be helpful and, and work towards that goal. Um, we don't have all the answers yet, but it is something that we recognize as an issue that is emerging and we're trying to get ahead of it. So, you know, I was chair of our community chamber uh, a few years ago and, um, you know, economic development was a big part of our community. And so we would do site prep and we would do everything we can to make sure that the uh, big employers coming in that we already have the site already and ready to go and so you know the community makes an investment is there something that the state broadband office i mean we got 43 you know almost 43 billion dollars you know so each state is going to have well over 200 million investing in broadband they know exactly where those unserved or underserved locations are and everybody bidding is so can we be proactive and just say, okay, here's here's the areas that are eligible for deed funding, and they're gonna someone whoever is is awarded the money is gonna have to get these permittings. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Can we do something like that? I think there's probably opportunity for that. It will. It's good. Um, my favorite answer, which is always applicable in uh, all environmental uh, permitting questions, is it depends because uh, it's always context uh, dependent. But I, I think the the short answer is yes, because if you know the routing and it's, that's not going to deviate and you can identify where there are uh, perhaps either more challenging or uh, higher impacted resources because it's going to pass through national, um, nationally owned lands, federally owned lands, then, you know, start those conversations with those land management agencies early um, to, to let them know that this is coming so that they can prepare for it as well. Um, I know that you know, Federal Highway Administration requires that each state DOT have a broadband coordinator so that they can look at where transportation investments are going and coordinate dig once uh, approaches to ensure that we are laying conduit, if if not a lit fiber, at least dark fiber, where they're building out roadways to ensure that we are building that middle mile um, to the extent that they can. I think that's also uh, where there are opportunities for the broadband offices and the transportation departments to communicate effectively to ensure that they know where it's needed. Um, that's another opportunity to make sure that those plans are consistent and aligned. So help me out with um, jurisdictions. So, you know, we got state, um, local, federal. So 
you're, you're pulling together the federal agencies, but how does that play with the others and kind of what should we be you know, looking out for as we go to state and local permitting as well? You know, we are, we have a, we're a federal agency, we have federal statute, that is our responsibility, but we are in communication with state and local governments um, to the extent that we can. And, and some of it's proactive outreach on our part, some of it is um, incoming from them as they are asking for our support or at least guidance. We have been supporting the state of California on the California Middle Mile Project, um, you know, which is thousands of miles of broadband deployment across the entire state of California. And we actually helped to broker a, a deal with the federal agencies and the state agencies that are involved, a, a letter of intent for how they're going to coordinate and participate on that mega project together. And that's a role that we can play. We can play that role of convener where we are um, bringing people to the table. At the end of the day, the permitting council doesn't issue any permits, but we can help to provide direction and strategic advice and also elevate issues where appropriate to help things move. So as state, local entities are working with feds, if there is a role for us to play to provide some of that convening uh, support, technical assistance, we are happy to do that uh, where it makes sense for sure. All right, so if I'm a service provider and I'm going to apply for, you know, BEAT funding and it's going to be over $200 million or it's going to be in tribal, you know, so I'm a qualified um, applicant for the FAST 41 program. Why, what, what is it, what is it that you do for that provider? Say sign up, you're in the program, what do they yep. get for that? So, uh, Shortly thereafter, we'll provide them with a uh, project timetable so that we'll list all the required federal approvals that uh, must be completed in order for them to complete the environmental process. It'll have dates for that, so we'll have a schedule to complete that. We'll have a coordinated project plan, which will define the roles of the project sponsor and the agencies and how they will be coordinating amongst each other to ensure that we are advancing to that project. And then we will also convene um, regular meetings with the project sponsor as well as the agencies to monitor progress. We'll keep track of the dashboard and its milestones. And if things are coming up that look like they may slip, we'll reach out and we'll make sure we understand why or if. And if they if there's an opportunity for us to mitigate uh, that schedule slippage, we'll definitely provide the support to do so. It really is a it's a hands-on approach to project management from the federal government to ensure that we are moving through the process as we are supposed to. So can you describe some of the successes that you guys had had in your program so far? Yeah, I was actually, I was just in uh, Louisiana last week uh, for the Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion Project, not broadband, but a critical coastal restoration project that has been planned in Louisiana since uh, the early 80s. And in 2017, uh, the state of Louisiana came to the Permitting Council with the Army Corps. We negotiated an MOU amongst the parties. Everybody came to the table. What was going to be a 10-year process, we were able to cut almost in half. Um, it didn't go as quickly as everybody wanted because these things are complex. There's lots of stakeholders, but it cut at least half of the timeline off of what the original estimate was. So that was a huge success. We're going to be uh, going to a groundbreaking out in New Mexico uh, for a Sunzia transmission project, which is also, it has had a long and, and storied past with fits and starts here and there, but it was because the permitting council was able to provide that convening uh, role to bring parties to the table. There were some changes on the sponsor side. There were some changes on the federal permitting side, but at the end of the day, we were able to uh, see it through to completion. And we are, you know, we expect to see 
multiple records of decision on offshore wind projects in the coming uh, months and years. So we, because these projects take uh, a number of years and because we are still a fairly young agency, we don't have a long history of success, but we are starting to see more and more um, because we've been at it for a little while and now we're, these projects are finally through the process. And what we're, you know, what we're hoping to do is really elevate those success stories and help to explain our value add um, more effectively so that people like you that ask, so what exactly do you do? We have, we got snappy responses and, and it's clear. It's easy for people to understand. Permitting is complex. Uh, it's difficult to not get really quick in the weeds when you start talking about it, but everybody knows it's hard and everybody wants it to go better. Um, and that's what we're here to do. You know, the infrastructure is not just about broadband. Uh, we're very focused on that part, but it's water, sewer, highway. Is it is that something that brings your office can bring to the table? Is you know, I, I see states that where there's not a lot of great coordination between you know these infrastructure projects, and you know, is if you're going to get permitting for putting in more water lines or doing you know smart grid upgrades and things like that. Is there a way to that we could leverage your office to make sure that we're maybe we can streamline because someone's already doing the environmentals for one of the other infrastructure projects and our our reach is somewhat limited in just you know what our statutory authority is for what we can actually provide coverage under FAST 41. But the other part of our role as a center for permitting excellence, you know, we have a, a much broader reach and that's where we can elevate best practices. In, in general terms, um, you know, we can help provide uh, strategic advice and programmatic solutions potentially, but you know, on like on a local water distribution or water system level, it's unlikely that uh, it would achieve or, or meet the criteria for uh, FAST 41, but those types of projects are similar to others that might. And so we can learn from our, our big projects and apply those lessons learned to smaller projects of similar uh, similar scope, maybe not similar scale. So just kind of going back to being proactive, you know, NTI did a great job of they put, um, you know, basically um, field people in every state. Well, there's about 46 NTI field people that work with the state broadband office and just help to communicate and work with, you know, anybody that's looking at um, applying for the money and just help them understand the rules and programs. And so it's, it's been fantastic. Is, should the state broadband office be looking? I mean, to, is there how much, what kind of coordination are you doing with state broadband office? And and should they be working with you guys so that their applicants can help, you know, facilitate this? Or I think there are, I don't know that there is a necessity for each state broadband office to, to work with the permanent councils because I don't know that each state's going to have the type of complex projects. I mean, they're all going to have complex for their own circumstances, but we are somewhat limited in capacity as well. So we take on the biggest, most complex for the most part, because those are where you get the most bang for the buck. Uh, but, you know, working with obviously, and I'm sure that there are, uh, working with the state infrastructure coordinators, we work closely with the White House infrastructure implementation team. Um, I'll be speaking with the state infrastructure, excuse me, state infrastructure coordinators. Uh, I'll be speaking with them uh, at an upcoming meeting you know, letting them know about the permanent councils, um, what our role, what our, what we can offer them. And, you know, hopefully through those various lines of communication, if people need to reach out to us, we welcome that. Um, I don't know that it's necessary that everybody does, but if they have questions and they want to, 
we're not going to turn anybody away. Um, we'll, we'll happily take the call and we'll have the meeting and we'll discuss where or how we can help. So tribal, um, we have a new tribal broadband working group at Fiber Broadband Association, and we have already have now uh, 22 tribes as members here in the last couple of months, and that's growing very quickly. Um, so given that you don't have the $200 million um, kind of hurdle for the tribes, is there any reason why every tribe should not be working with you guys, sign up for these projects with their infrastructure money? If they if they feel the need, if they anticipate it being a complex permitting process, because some of these are straightforward and we we don't need to be involved. It's a fairly straightforward project. Um, but if they anticipate there being challenges with multiple federal agencies um, as they go through that, absolutely. Um, and we have done a number of uh, consultations and outreach uh, meetings with tribes to make them aware of this opportunity. And, and we've had really good feedback so far. Fantastic. And so, you know, we spent a lot of time with uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee. They have a lot of legislation teed up. Is there anything in particular that you guys really think needs to get get through? Um, you know, any legislation you're looking at or reforms that you think are going to be critical? You know, I will I will defer to my counterparts in the White House on uh, how they want to to message the those reforms. They're the ones in those negotiations. I will say. I think we all recognize that there is uh, there's work to be done to improve the process. Uh, we just have to be careful that in trying to accelerate, we are not reducing or minimizing the important protections that our environmental statutes provide. And I think uh, if we can thread that needle, we'll be in good shape. All right. So last question is, you know, so while this $200 million minimum for Fast 41 coverage, you know, how if you can't make meet that minimum, how can the permitting council help these projects under that receive, you know, the benefit of coverage? I, and that will be that will be somewhat context specific. Again, uh, unfortunately, I think I would encourage folks just to reach out um, and let us talk through what what the project is uh, and where the opportunities may be. It may not be Fast 41 coverage, but there may be uh, we may be able to provide resources or tools that, that would be helpful to them. Um, you know, templates. Uh, other tools that may help them kind of shape their project plan in a way that will uh, advance success. Well, fantastic. Eric, we just really appreciate the work that you're doing to bring these agencies together and to really streamline and accelerate the permitting process. You know, this permitting has potential to be a huge issue. It could impact the timing and cost of getting fiber to every American. So your work could not be more important to our industry. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today. I look forward to getting back together next Wednesday for Fiber Breakfast. We're going to be speaking with Nasta Tarek, the Sustainability Director at Hawaiian Tel, to discuss fiber is key to ambitious climate action plans. You know, given the recent events in Hawaii, the importance in, of this discussion couldn't be more timely. So we're not going to want to miss that. So thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next week.